I love the feeling of this movie, but it feels like there's something missing. There's definitely something missing. And there's a lot of feelings involved. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get to all of those. everybody, welcome to Real Breakdown. I'm Jordan. And I'm Grace. And today we are talking about the second part of our magician series, The Illusionist. And I... not so great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I used to love this movie. And this came out the same year as The Prestige, which is why we're doing them at the same time, 2006. I used to get them confused because they were both really good. And I remember when they both came out on DVD, I went to Best Buy and bought them both at the same time. I was like, must watch both back to back. Like we said in The Prestige, this one is more whimsical, fantastical. The music in this really makes the movie. Yes, there was a great score. You're right. It just has such a different feel. It's so magical. There's like this just world that it kind of takes you to that's, you know, not very real. But The composer is Philip Glass. And according to IMDb, he has 167 composer credits. Wow. He has three Oscar nominations for Kundun, The Hours, and Notes on a Scandal, and three Golden Globe nominations, one for one. He won for one for The Truman Show. Good for him. I remember the music from The Truman Show also. It was really good. That's awesome. It makes it like a dreamscape kind of thing. It's, it's very intriguing. It like makes you think. Escape from reality. Yeah, which this kind of is in a lot of ways and the accents (laughs) speaking of accents grace is rolling her eyes i wish we had a camera right now because to show you guys my face oh god again we come back with edward norton because he's the he's the main character it was uh played by edward norton just terrible so bad for so long doing this oh god for so long i couldn't figure out what country they were supposed to be in that makes sense. And they're they're in Austria? I don't know. I think they're in Austria. So this is The Illusionist, directed by Neil Berger, who also did Limitless and Divergent. He's very, from Limitless and Divergent, you can tell he's like a very fantastical type of director. Like yeah, absolutely. Kind of sci-fi. It stars Edward Norton, Jessica Biel, Paul Giamatti, Rufus Sewell, Sewell, Eddie Marson, who I did not know was British until I watched this movie, and Aaron Taylor Johnson, who... In his personal life, it's a little strange, but he was great in Kick-Ass. He's the main character in Kick-Ass. Who was the guy who's like his short sidekick person? Yeah, that's like, uh, Eddie Marson, who's Eddie Mar- in Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan. And he's so good. He's the brother oh, who has Parkinson's in Ray yes. Donovan. He's so good. He's such a good actor. I am the biggest Ray Donovan fan <laughs> in the world. I'm only that on was season the- two. Oh my God, you just wait. And there's a movie coming out soon. I know. But there's like, that was the only saving grace for me was seeing him. Oh my God. He, I didn't know he was British. Yeah. He did. I mean, oh, yeah, because he does such, he's just so great. He's such a great actor. The So I used, again, used to love this movie. This time going through it, the facts that I found out about it and like researching it was more entertaining than the actual movie itself. Can we just talk about also like, 
production quality. Like, I did not think it was good production quality. I feel like the budget on this was really low. Right? Like, and for the cast that it had, I would think that they would have a bigger budget. So if you think about it, though, this was right after Sideways. When when was Paul Gima Sideways? Let's see what year that was. 2004. So it was right after Sideways. So they probably filmed like a year apart, maybe. It, like Paul Giamatti wasn't huge yet. And Edward Norton was. But Jessica Biel wasn't originally supposed to play that role. Yeah, I read that as well. It was supposed to be... Hold on. I got it. I got it somewhere. Where is it? Kira Knightley? Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler. Was supposed to be the original lead. And Jessica Biel replaced her very shortly before filming. Which is why she didn't have enough time to practice practice her accent. Anyway. Chris's <laughs> face. I just... It's so the movie so, itself. So disrespectful. Anyway, continue. The, the editing and the... Um, Cinematography in this, I thought was beautiful. Yeah, agreed with that. So the first titles, there's dramatic music. The titles are flickering, and it's like the titles of an old movie being played on a projector. Like you can almost hear the click, 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 and you know what? You automatically know it's old or takes place in the old. I literally wrote that in my notes. It takes place in the old. In the old. And there's a certain feeling that comes along with titles like that. The accrue color, like the aged paper color looks like it's parchment and it's like jumpy. You know, like when someone's trying to like focus a projector, it's like moving back and forth. Yeah. The first shot is Edward Norton from like a 45 degree angle. And it's just him in a chair with his hands on his knees. And it's dark and it's dramatic. And you, you quickly can see that he's on a stage and everyone is quiet and concentrated. And the audience is just enraptured. And there's just cops everywhere. And you're like, why are so many cops showing up to a magic show? And there's something that appears. And Paul Giamatti looks very skeptical. The whole time. The whole movie looks very skeptical. There's something appearing next to him and somebody else. It's her. She wants to tell us something. Is it a ghost? And the cops come in. Like, as soon as this ghost appears on stage, the cops come in. He's arrested. And Paul Giamatti's like, I'm arresting Eisenheim on disturbing public order and charlatanism and threats against the empire. And Edward Norton just looks like sick or sad. He, he just kind of looks like he gave up and then the ghost disappears and then there's a riot beginning and you're like, what the fuck is happening? It was so, I don't know. I didn't agree with that as an opening. I feel like when in comparison to like the prestige, like, okay, they opened it with a a, a hook of a, yeah. you know, he's start getting arrested end. for something, starts at the end. We don't know what, but we feel it's a, a realistic feud. But this is just like you're, you're a ghost no, appears. You're getting no information right. at all. No context whatsoever. Yeah. A ghost appears. It disappears. Edward Norton looks like like 50 Sick. people he's close to just died in oh, his yeah. life. You know what I mean? And like 50 people. Like, he really had this look of like despair. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. And then it just disappears. He looks like he's dying. Room. Like he looks like um, uh, Jean Valjean at the end of... Lame is, and he's like, drink for me, and time's come by. Like, what? His arm is across his stomach. Why like, is that the funniest <laughs> reference? I don't know. That's what I was just... Like, really, like, lame is vibes all around, actually. <laughs> you know? And Hathaway. in the French Revolution. Fragile. <laughs> it's just like, that's what I, I see. Cosette is kneeling at his side. Yeah, right. <laughs> all of Cosette's sad songs, like, that was Edward Norton. <laughs> What's the one where she's like, what? She's sweeping. Little fall of rain can hardly. No, you're thinking of Castle on a Cloud. There is a castle on a cloud. He's just like trying to escape into a world of hope, you know? 
Anyway. <laughs> and we get no context. And then, like, everybody's rioting. And, and we're just like... like what? He, uh, he's in a single chair on stage alone. What's... Everyone's mad that he, like, brought some type Let of ghost. Let him act! Let him act! <laughs> that, like, particles appeared in the air, you know? I don't know. Yes. So then it, it cuts to what I not so affectionately call murder hallway. There are so many antlers in this hallway. And I wrote in my, <laughs> in my notes, on one level, on a character level, it's supposed to be a sign of prestige. And then I wrote, haha. On another cinematic level, it's supposed to be menacing, disconcerting, overbearing, overwhelming. I feel like the set design team lined the walls with antlers and Neil Berger was like, no, no, we need more. And then that happened 27 more times. What did they do with all of those? Can, if they take them down, they'll just get tangled. It's like a Christmas lights. I actually, that's a great question. I don't know what you would do with all of those uh, after the fact. I hope, I hope most of those were fake. Anyway, Paul Giamatti is talking with the prince. We Again, don't get really context. Uh, he wants to know how Edward Norton does his tricks. He's known as Eisenheim in the movie mm. uh, and he, you can see he's very jealous and envious of something and then it goes back to Eisenheim's childhood and the, there's a vignette around the whole thing it took me so long to figure out what this word was there's a vignette so it's it's darkening the corners of a screen to kind of make a circle yeah like kind of make a frame so you focus on what's in the middle it's like a faded frame yeah and it makes it look very um, nostalgic so the flickering vignette is back in full force and it says like it's kind of like his origin story, like how he became a magician and how he became famous. And the person playing younger him is Aaron Taylor Johnson from Kick-Ass. And the magician, he's like, he encountered a traveling magician along the road. And this magician that he sees in this flashback is like legit doing real magic. Like he's making a float flute, float flute, a float, a flute, a, float. A float flute, <laughs> a flute, a flute float. <laughs> And then this, in the story says one version of the story is that the man himself then vanished along with the tree. That was so funny. And I wish that it kept that theme throughout yeah. the whole thing. Like that the man himself then vanished along with the tree. And then you hear like, pop, and there's the tree just disappears. Uh, A little then, more humor. Yeah, the tone here is unlike anything else in the movie. It's comical. It's kind of comic booky. That scene, like the the one with the man and the tree and and the you know the all the magic and that like took me back to like a children's yes magical movie you know like a like a Disney I don't know it was like a comic book like kind of Peter Rabbit vibe yeah like, yeah and then you see them like as kids starting to fall in love and she. Like people come, like her caretakers come to take her away from him because he's she's a duchess. And it's like remember who you are, and you see him running after the carriage with it, which is both cute and stupid because of course he's running after the carriage. But you're never gonna catch that carriage. No. Carriage. He tries. He tries. She's dragged back to the castle. They're forbidden to see each other because that ends well for teenagers. That's like and the one thing you don't want to tell teenagers. You cannot do something. You turn around, they're already doing it. <laughs> that's like, you know, 101. Oh, yeah. That's actually a great way to tell teenagers to not do something. Tell them to do it. Yeah. I swear that's what my mom did. I remember when that's she great. first caught me smoking cigarettes. She pulled it out of my purse. She pulled a pack of cigarettes out of my purse. Smoke. And threw it on the table and was like, light one right now. And I was like, <laughs> I looked at my dad. My dad was like, mm-hmm, I don't know. This is between you guys, you know. And I just looked at her. Your and I didn't know what doctor. to do. I like, I thought she was going to be so mad. But the fact that she did that, like, scared me to my core. Yeah. I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm good right now. One of my friends in 
high school, he threw a party and his dad came home early the next day and found like a bunch of kids passed out. He made him pour a bowl of cereal with beer and eat it. <laughs> oh my God. That is disgusting. He's like, oh, you want a drink? Okay, here you go. Oh, what, go ahead. what type of beer? It was like Bud. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It was either like PBR or Bud. And it, it was Natty just... light days of college. Those oh, yeah. nasty. Oh. Like he poured Cheerios in it and made him That's eat it. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. <laughs> I don't know if he ever drank beer again. Yeah, I was going to say, I would, if, uh, yeah, if I drank beer, which I don't like beer, I would never drink it again. But yeah, I mean, don't tell kids they can't do something right, or they're going to exactly. go and turn them into a ghost. Or and, they'll turn into know. this story. But one day we'll run away together. We'll disappear. And the lighting in this scene is gorgeous. They really do a good job with like camera angles and lighting, candles, cinematography, like everything candlelight. was beautiful. He gives her a necklace. And I've always wanted this necklace. It's a, it's wooden and it has a butterfly like inset in it. And it's a puzzle. Mm-hmm. So it, it's an oval and you twist it and twist it the other way. And it's a heart and it opens and it has a picture of him inside of it. Yeah. It's the coolest little gadget j- piece of jewelry ever. I used to be obsessed with those like little puzzle boxes. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, it's a puzzle. It's really cute. Uh, they go to meet at their secret meeting place and you can hear like dogs and people behind her like, oh my God, save the Duchess. She's like 12. When they tear her apart from him, he's they're like, stay away from her or we'll arrest you and your family. So instead of doing anything about that, he leaves, he travels the world, he changes his name to Eisenheim and then shows up 15 years later in Vienna as a professional magician. Yeah. That's all the backstory we get. <laughs> he's gotten really good and now he's some like famous guy and uh, basically we can jump to the fact that she just attends one of his shows we can start there yeah she attends one of his shows and he's on stage and he's looking like a badass edward norton looking foxy as usual yeah walks forward throws his glove in the air his gloves in the air they become birds the set design (laughs) just (laughs) the way you just threw up your hands like they just become birds (laughs) they fly uh, the set design looks like that he's in an Egyptian tomb. Yeah, that's actually accurate. Mystery? I don't know. I don't Intrigue? Know. I don't know. You know, I will, okay, I'll say like lighting was great, cinematography was great, you know, whatever. But I just, the set design and like the feels that they gave to some of the scenes, bare. like I didn't understand a lot of it. Yeah, which I guess like back in the day, there were not a lot of ornate things. But we that's were talking true. about Vienna. Vienna's pretty ornate. Yeah, and pretty like, Architectur- architecturally arch- yeah architecturally beautiful you know so it's like you're right a lot of it was bare and i don't know i just don't didn't agree with a lot of those decisions yeah a lot of the tricks he does in this he actually did like he learned sleight of hand oh that's really cool i didn't know that that's yeah, fun he did he learned a lot about it so he could actually perform the i respect tricks. that i respect that as an actor and he's like balancing an orange on the back of his hand and he like makes it he's like we play with time and he like makes it move really slowly and i'm like hmm Mm -hmm. is that real or was that cgi anyway in my notes i say not gonna lie he looks hot he tells a lady to put a handkerchief in a box he plays with an orange and then he takes a seed out of the orange puts it in a pot and he like does this powerful move with his hands trying to make the tree grow out of the pot and the tree does grow out of the pot and it bears fruit and he takes an orange off the tree and throws it into the audience. And they're real. This was actually a real trick. This was a real trick that somebody did. It's, where's my trivia note? Interesting. The orange tree is a real trick from the 1840s. Wow. Yeah. 
That really happened. I would have been mind blown. That person is actually a magician. Oh, so we see the inspector in the audience and he's a fan. He's loving the show. He's just there to see the show. Next day, he's walking by these cute little boys in the street saying they're poor and he gives them money. They're very cute. He and his partner, who's Eddie Marson, who we said in the beginning, who's also like his MC, they're talking about reviews, saying they're going to make a ton of money. And the inspector walks in and he's he's like wondering how the butterflies are carrying the handkerchief that he makes the butterflies carry into the audience at the end of his show. And he goes into the theater under the guise that the prince is coming to the show and they need to make sure everything's safe. But he's really like a fan of magic. So he's like, just tell me how you do looking at things like moving notebooks. And he's like, can I help you, inspector? So he, the prince is really coming. To the show. So they need to make sure everything's safe, like Secret Service. And the showtime, it's showtime. And I said, is this a real prince, Prince Leopold? I know that there is a Prince Ferdinand shows up. Okay. In the, there's a scene later where they're having like a dinner party and they invite him to be the, mm-hmm. the magician, like the entertainment. And he asks somebody to come move a sword. And that's Archduke Ferdinand. Oh. But he, they never say it. That's just supposed to be him. Okay. Interesting. So he's talking about religious stuff and um, about the soul at the end of life and what does it mean to die? I need someone from the audience who's not afraid of death. And the prince stands and instead of offering himself, he offers his date. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I Everyone's that. like, oh, the prince isn't scared of death. No, no, here, take my girlfriend. Instead. Yeah. And she's like, I guess it's my turn. And it's Jessica Biel. And he walks up on she walks up on stage. He automatically recognizes her. And he says, do you know me? And she says, no, you're quite certain we've never met before. Yes, of course. And she puts on this red cloak that like she's clearly going into the woods. And he tells her, only look in my eyes. And she falls asleep or she's under a spell of some sort. And he pulls the hood over her head and steps to the side. And there's a mirror. And it's like kind of shielding her eyes. And like she's moving, but the reflection isn't. And then you see the reflection like pick up a sword. And like this, this it's obviously some sort of reflection of death because it's a red robe. You know, we talk about red a lot. Yeah. And I love the hood part. It's like a great shot. She's in a trance. She's looking into the mirror. Oh, yeah. She bows to herself and the reflection doesn't bow. And the, uh, she, the reflection pulls a sword out and then just like disappears. And he pulls the spirit of the person in the reflection out of the mirror. Like you see like smoke come out of the mirror and like puts it into her head, or like puts it over her head, and she passes out, and he catches her, and very, very easily falls into a dip position. Yeah, I know, like a romantic dip position. The audience claps. He tells her to go back to her it seat. It was so She's choreographed. Very confused. She's like, "What the hell just happened?" There was a part here where his coworker says, "They must like you. They waited nearly five minutes." The prince wants to meet him, and he's like, "You rendered her speechless, which is very hard to do. Clearly, he's an asshole." He says, did you hypnotize her? I'd like to learn that trick. He's very toxic vibes. He says to the prince, next time you come, perhaps I'll make you disappear. <laughs> and everyone's like, was, was that a threat? Like, they're all looking around like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Is he actually going to do that? There are rumors that, that the duchess and the prince are going to be married. Yeah, that's what they imply. Did we ever? Did I ever just say that that the girl, the woman who comes up on stage, is the girl from his childhood? So uh, he rec. I don't oh think I yeah, said that. no, you didn't say that, but that that is what it is. So like he recognizes her. He asks her if she knows him, and then they actually end up meeting later. And she tells him that she did recognize him. Yeah, she said it took a second, but yeah. 
So like they have this home moment. Clearly it's all this like whole just like notebooky, you know. Yeah, it's very like forbidden love. They she like shows up in his carriage. Like she stops his carriage. Get <laughs> yeah, out. there's a lot of like carriage. There's a lot know. of carriages. <laughs> it's very duchess like. Yeah. But she gets out of like she steps immediately from one carriage into the next, so like yeah. nobody sees her, and she's like, "Yeah, of course I I recognize you." She said, "You knew me right away." And so why you could have said something? Why didn't you? Maybe for the same reason you want to meet me in a carriage. It's a game I have to play. It's supposed to be for my safety. I'm followed everywhere. So she knows she's followed. And she looks happy and sad when she's saying these things, like how you'd ex- exactly you would expect someone to look and feel in her position. Yeah. She's been trained to be a perfect, proper lady, but she's in a life she doesn't want. He goes to leave, and she pulls the necklace out of her dress. and She had it on her the whole time. So the inspector does an alpha move here, where he brings him to a restaurant where he's the only person eating. Of course, he's eating a steak. With a knife, he's sitting down. Eisenheim is standing. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to ask you a question that doesn't seem friendly, but I assure you it is. What's your relationship with the Duchess? Yeah, you're right. That doesn't seem friendly. Yeah, a little passive aggressive. Just, just slightly. Maybe aggressive. Uh, we were childhood friends. Has there been a complaint? No, if there had been a complaint, we'd be having a different conversation. The look I'm giving Grace. <laughs> just really. Some of the dialogue is just so... Um... I don't know, bland. This is a good way to put it. There's no subtext. What you hear is what oh, you yeah, get. Oh, yeah, no, there's no subtext at all. He's like, so un- no until text. the end. It's so like He literally level. says, because you're in the prince's pocket. And he's like, I have to be. I'm the son of a butcher. Okay, cool. You grew up poor. Now you're an inspector. And you're in the pocket of the prince, so you want to stay there. There's no subtext. Then he gets invited to this private party at the palace, and everyone is dressed in their best. And I want Jessica Biel's entire outfit. Yeah, and she looks great. In she show. looks incredible. I and like her, her hair color. Hair color. Oh, my God. It really suits her face. Oh, my God. It was so good. He makes this painting appear, and it's a painting of his father. And he's not painting it at all. He's painting without painting. It's crazy. And the prince, of course, is pulling another alpha mover. He tries to debunk everything that Eisenheim is doing while he's doing it. Yeah, which is such a dick move. Yeah, and he's just like, of course I'm smarter, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's like, come on, Leopold, sit down. Why don't you astonish us with the, without all that gadgetry? Okay, give me your sword. He's, and he says, where does the power come from? Destiny or divine right? And that's the kind of like it's like Excalibur. And he stands the sword up on its point. He's referring to sword and stone. And he asks people to come up and take the sword. And the only person that will be able to take it will be like the one that's worthy. And nobody can move it. There's people that come and like really try to lift it. They can't pick it up. And the prince goes to pick it up and he can't for a second. And they share this look. And Edward Norton's like, oh, you're going to fuck with me? Okay, I can do the same thing too. But they're on stage, so they can't do anything. And he is able to pull it up eventually. It's like Edward Norton's like, okay, I'll let you pull it up now. The eye contact says it all. (laughs) It's just like looks that are happening. And then Jessica Biel later goes, you shouldn't have done that. And you just see the prince go, shut him down. He's very popular. I'm sure you'll find a way. Like, what? Again, no subtext, too. It's just so, like, it's it feels, for what the movie is, it sometimes feels like such amateur dialogue. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And then he's back in his, like, workshop slash house, and she comes to see him, and she looks pissed. And why did you come out here? Why? Why do I care? You were my friend. Blah. Again, no subtext. And then they end up kissing. And I was obsessed with this kiss when I was younger, and I was, I don't know why. Like, She's angry and he kisses her. I'm like, if you're, if I'm pissed off and someone tries to kiss me, I will punch you in the face. Yeah, nowadays, that's not going to fly. Nope, not going to happen. But watching it on screen is still mesmerizing. 
It's still a good kiss. This is visually appealing. Oh, yeah. It's still a good kiss. And Edward Norton looks like a really good kisser. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. There's two sex scenes or love scenes Uh in movies that I always remember for the exact same reason. This is one of them. Uh Because it's all close-ups. It's all candlelight. All the lighting in this scene was actually lamps, like oil lamps. And they said after every take, the room would film with smoke and they'd have to clear it out after every tank. They were they were kerosene lamps and the room would fill with smoke by the end of every take. That's crazy. Yeah. It's awesome that they actually used real kerosene lamps for that. I respect that. Good and set design choice. There's there's a part at the beginning of the scene. Not going to lie. Really hot. They go inside and she tries to kiss him and he puts her hand up on, on her like chin and neck and pushes her against the wall and i'm like yes (laughs) way to go eisenheim magical right there edward norton yes but yeah the that love scene is amazing whoever i don't know if they had an intimacy coordinator but an intimacy coordinator is that a real thing yeah you know that no that's becoming like a big job in hollywood they bring people in to choreograph love scenes very seriously i mean choreographed love scenes i get yeah so they call them intimacy coordinators no way yeah and they're like a legit it's a legit job on set and so i feel like for it that seemed very carefully choreographed so shout out whoever did that yeah like the way that the the close-ups on like the skin like you can't tell is what i also love about the scene in cold mountain that's the other Mm-hmm. love scene that I, I like it's all candlelight it's all very close up and you can't tell like what part of the body is being shown right right which is beautiful yeah it's just it's absolutely gorgeous and it oh it's so good there's a scene where edward norton and jessica beale are talking and it's right after the prince announces their engagement which she had no idea about <laughs> yeah that was so uncomfortable yeah and she's like oh okay i guess we're getting married can you imagine if like you're just like sitting there and then the person you like don't really want to be dating just stands up and is like we're engaged <laughs> it's like in a uh, wedding crashers yes <laughs> She's like, I need to go. He says, come away with me. It's not that easy. As long as we're alive, he'll hunt us and he'll kill us. Do you want to leave with me? Yes. He nods and looks left and right and the scene just ends. (laughs) Eye roll. Like, what? Okay, cool. We're getting no context in this movie. I learned about this movie from IMDb. (laughs) Like, really learned about it. I watched the movie. I comprehended somewhat. But I didn't, like, really fully understand until I read... The legit, like, detailed uh plot line in words. Like, why is that? Yeah, and I also didn't realize it was, like, the Austro-Hungarian, Austro-Hungarian, is that how you say it? For history lovers out there, maybe you can give us a little bit more context about that empire. You know, empires, they're all over the place. So this is where the movie like really picks up and not picks up at all. Like it, it it really picks up and then it just falls off at the end and you're like, oh, okay. You know what that reminds me of? Um, the new Adam Sandler movie that recently came out. Like the one he did was like super serious. Um, the gambling one. What was it called? Something, Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. That movie was so slow for two hours and then for 30 minutes like picked up to the point where you're like, oh my God, what's going on? And then just like, ended and you're like that was strange because it was like so slow 
and such this and not even a build i don't even want to say a build it was, was just acting like, good at least yeah it was good it was good actually yeah he did a great job but all of a sudden it was like the movie just picks up like last 30 45 minutes but then the end just like ends Ugh. and you're just like what the hell just happened yeah there's a there's a huge part of this that i i feel like the movie was three hours long and they took out a lot of it just to make it i could imagine there are a lot of deleted scenes <laughs> i feel like there's there's something missing in here but as soon as this this conversation happens with them you see him appear at his theater his posters have been torn down his partner is like of course the can- the show is canceled why did you do that blah 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 and he's like do we have money like that's all he says yeah we have money he goes and cashes out all of his money he's packing he walks to a carriage it's her in the carriage they're very brazen about kissing in the street of course they were followed the detective goes out to the prince and the prince is of course shooting a gun and wearing like a ridiculous coat and he's like we saw her today kissing eisenheim and he's like cool thanks for the update and he's clearly really pissed she's riding to the palace you can tell that she's gonna tell him she doesn't want to marry him and she's nervous as she should be he already thinks he has a leg up because he's like i know everything i'm the prince you've been with him blah 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 and she's like you're drunk and he's like you're getting old no one's gonna want you you can't can you have kids are you in use at all He's like, you're making me look like an idiot. You cannot share my bed if you've slept with him. And she goes, you don't understand. I'm not going to share your bed at all. And he slaps her really hard, by the way. It looked like a real slap. But you see the handprint on her face. And he's like, no, you're going to marry me. And she's like, "Mm, bye. And she leaves. He's pissed. And what we hear and see here is him getting into the courtyard. And this is from the point of view of a guard, like a bodyguard that's watching from the window. He's stumbling and shouting, and he walks into the barn. You hear a horse. You hear, like, an an unsheathing of a sword. And she's like, no, please don't. And the horse comes out with her on it, and she's, like, slumped over. Yeah, she's literally slumped over like she's dead weight. And this move that she makes, she's like, it looks like she's faking it. Yeah. She attempts to get up, and then she slumps over. And I think that was intentional because it makes you question whether or not it was... Yeah faked or not i questioned it right away and then you see her body yeah so we're back in eisenheim's workshop he's waiting for her and doesn't show up the next shot is actually one of my favorite shots in the whole movie it's so haunting when you see a horse with a saddle and no rider mm-hmm. and he's walk the horse just walks up to the palace he's like yo what's up i'm here for breakfast because horses always remember where their food is and the guard opens the gate and turns the horse around and there's a huge streak of blood down it So they're looking for her. They find her floating in the water. She's dead, clearly. Eisenheim jumps into the water and runs and drags her out. He's very upset. He's upset for like a minute, and then it just cuts to the next scene where the coroner's arriving and the body's in the back of a wagon. And the coroner says to the inspector that he found a ruby in her dress. The body gets taken away, and Eisenheim is running up to detectives saying, you know that it was the prince. You know he did this. And he's like, well, no, we don't have any proof of that. And he says, are you completely corrupt? He goes, not completely, no. (laughs) Uh, And then the inspector's like, okay, well, he kind of got me thinking. So let's just go to the stable and see if there's anything there. Why are stables the best place for crimes? I don't know. All the hay? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's true. You can hide things under there. I guess. Hide under smells. like the horse shit. No one's going to do Yeah, smells. No one's yeah. going to touch that. The prince shows up and the inspector's looking at the hay 
And there's a part here when I, I rewatched it that I never noticed before. There's a, like a junior inspector that's like, the prince is here. We should go now. Like if the prince sees that you're in- inspecting this and like questioning it, he's going to be pissed. Clearly he gets pissed over a lot. <laughs> yeah. And the prince is like, well, do you have a, spe- a suspect? And he's like, we-, we will soon. And the prince is like, well, yeah, it's me, but I'm not going to say that. And then it just jumps and you see like Eisenheim emerged from pain and grief and bought a theater and started a new show like in secret because it's all these things that are very behind closed doors. And now it says Eisenheim instead of Eisenheim the Illusionist. And the first show he he puts on is darker than usual, much less flair, much less set design. The camera angle is only his feet and then the sound of his feet and it pans up to his face and he's very, very serious. And I put in my notes, Dave likes the camera angle because it creates suspense of what's going on above his feet. That's a good point, though, for someone who's not like yeah, a cinematic not, yeah, scholar. Yeah, because that's absolutely what you're supposed to be. Absolutely. And I'm like... Thinking and feeling. Yeah, like that That to me is just inherent knowledge. But the, the fact that Dave pointed it out, I was like, oh. Good for you. And in this show, it looks like he's conjuring something. It looks like the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm where it looks like he's conjuring some sort of spirit. And the audience is captivated by this. And he looks exhausted and he's holding his stomach like Jean Valjean. And a young man appears and he's very confused. And people are yelling from the audience, asking him questions. They're asking him if he's alive, if he knows anything about the other side. And the guy's like, I don't even know where I am, and disappears. Mm-hmm. And everyone, everyone in the audience, including the detective, are like, what the hell was that? Was that really a ghost? But the inspector still thinks it's a trick. And he's becoming more and more of a celebrity, like making ghosts appear. Like there's one scene where there's a little boy walking down the aisle and someone tries to touch him and his hand goes right through the boy. And the little boy walks up on stage and is like playing with a ball. Like that, what? A magic show that's legit sorcery. Literally, right? That's something where you're like, now I'm afraid. Yeah, that's, I feel like that's the whole part of this that was missing. Is it actually a you, you never find out. Is it actually, is his magic real or is it not? That's that's what's, that's the part that's missing. It's like an unsettling ending too because a part of you is like, we need answers. I mean, right. unless you're going to have an illusionist too. It's, uh, it's insane. The public is getting crazier and crazier because they're like, we have someone that can talk to people from beyond the dead. This is nuts. And this is when they start getting the police involved and they're like, okay, if he does it one more time, He's going to be arrested for fraud. And the inspector had already gone to him and said, we need to know how it's done. And he's like, wait, since when do I have to share all my secrets with the police? <laughs> like, what? This is my livelihood. Livelihood, yeah. And he's like, you're going to be arrested for fraud. And the public is, quote, rioting, but in true European fashion, they're calmly standing around waiting. <laughs> that's, that's not rioting. That's just European rioting. It's polite rioting. <laughs> it's Canadian rioting. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. And he's suspected of upending the, of trying to upend the monarchy. And he says, because the crown prince is a murderer. And he's like, you don't know that. He's like, no, but you do. And he addresses the mob and he's like, thank you, but there's been a misunderstanding. I want you to know that everything is an illusion. It's not real. I can't bring loved ones back from the dead. I can't receive messages from the other side. I apologize if I've given you false hope. My intention was always entertainment. Please go home. He's like, are you happy now? And the inspector just goes, yeah, okay. And that again was just like, okay. Yeah, and you're like, uh, really? No more fight? Yeah. 
It, it's like that's like an improv when someone said like you you never agree. Yeah. I mean, you never you never disagree. You mean yeah, like yes, yes and. and yeah. Yeah. So you never disagree. I feel like that's just him going no. Like that's the end of the scene. Like where's the build up? They're like, okay, Edward, yes, and and he's like, no, it's over. No, that's it. The prince is getting ever more callous and paranoid. And he's saying, like, no, he tricked you. I thought I could trust you. Like, of course, he's tricking you. He's a magician. He's like, I have to do everything myself. So he dresses as a commoner and goes to one of his shows. He looks like a, a quote, commoner. And he's looking around like, does anybody suspect uh, yeah. me? At the restaurant that I used to work at, New Jersey, there were a few people that live in northern New Jersey that are celebrities. And there was one, I'm not going to say who it is, but he came into the restaurant and was hiding behind his menu. Nobody cared. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so is at table 41. And we're like, everyone's like, yeah, we saw him. I hate that. It's just like my brother lives in New York City and he has a celebrity that goes to Equinox, the gym that he goes to. And he's like, I mean, I'll say that it's a he, but he just stands on the treadmill just like looking around waiting for people to recognize him and come say hi and my brother's like it's the most annoying thing in the world like you need to calm down people are here to work out also you're in new york city like you know like nobody gives a shit oh my god i was literally walking down the street in new york city bleeding profusely nobody cared you know yeah that yes it doesn't matter i apologize for that but that doesn't surprise me because it's like i would like i was just waving at people just going yeah i'm fine thanks for asking i'll i'll say this too i was in new york city once and i mean whatever i'm gonna name drop because i don't really care about him that much i ran i I, like ran into andy cohen like multiple times (laughs) and he was like pushing this is like pretty recent he's pushing his baby it's when he you know had baby um pushing his baby in a stroller and he kept looking at me and like we kept making eye contact but like he kept looking at me like are you gonna you know because like clearly i like when i first saw him i right. double took as like oh well, shit that's eddie cohen cool right. like you know saw your face a couple days ago so it was the initial like oh wow that, all right whatever like a 0.5 seconds of me being like a celebrity and then i just kept walking but like i guess he picked up on that and he just kept staring at me and then like he circled the block and I got coffee and then I met my sister and my brother and then I ran into him again because he passed me again and then he just looked at me and he was talking on the phone and I was like looking at him and then he was like hello and I was like hi maybe he he thought you were somebody else and then he kept walking maybe he thought you were a celebrity (laughs) get out of here anyway Anyway, the prince goes to the show dressed as a, quote, commoner, and Eisenheim is conjuring a spirit, and it's Duchess Fonteschen. It's Jessica Biel. And he collapses, and he's crying. It's very dramatic. And someone from the audience says, are you Duchess Fonteschen? Were you murdered? By who? Did they arrest the right man? Is it someone here? Was it the prince? There's so many questions. She's like, I just came back from the dead. Can you give yeah, me a second? And it's hilarious that it's like all the right questions. <laughs> you know, it's like the questions Again, that no like, context. It's hilarious. It's not like, what's the other side? Like, yeah, like it was, it was who killed you? straight was it the to prince? the point, like to like what everyone, you know, yeah. they were like, no, we need to allude to this in the dialogue. Like, exactly. I think you have. I, like many times. Someone from the audience yells, he's killed before. Something must be done. And the prince is like freaking out in the audience. And Edward Norton's like reaching out to her dramatically. And, and he like ran out of energy. So she disappears. And he just get up. He just gets up out of his chair and walks off the stage. The audience is like yelling, are you sure you have the right man? He must be brought to justice, blah, blah, blah. Prince later tells the inspector, next time that happens, I want everybody in the audience arrested. 
What? He's so annoying. Uh, and the inspector says, you can't destroy him. You can't bring down the monarchy. He's like, I know I can't. He's like, so don't raise those questions. And he just goes, I promise you'll enjoy the next show. At the next show, the Bobbies, I was calling them Bobbies because of their hats. They look like the London police. <laughs> That's funny. And this is the beginning. This is the same thing from the beginning. And he's apologizing to his manager. And he's like, I want you to, his ex-manager, he brings him back. He's like, I want you to assume control of all my assets. And he just goes, okay. And I wrote, nope, no questions asked. And he goes, enjoy the show. And my, my notes in all caps just says, seems legit. Like what? no reaction, no questions, no follow-ups. You're just like, what? Yeah. So he's he's sitting on the stage and his eyelids are all red. And it's like, you can tell he's either sick or really tired or both. And he brings her back again. And the detective's like, oh, shit, he did it, but he's not supposed to. And people are yelling, why were you murdered? And she says, I was leaving him. Who, the prince? I tried to get away. I was wearing a locket. It's gone. Anyone that shows dissidence in the audience is gets, starts getting arrested. Getting arrested, yeah. And then they say, Eisenheim is arrested on disturbing public order, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's like, no, no, don't do it. He looks very strained. And they go to catch him, and he's translucent. He himself... Is an illusion. Is becoming a ghost, and he looks like really strained, and he looks like, looks like he's pushing something out. But yeah, he looks really strained and really shocked. And they're like, "Wait a minute, I can't grab. I literally can't grab him." And he just disappears. And ev- all the cops and the audience are like, "What just happened?" And the inspector's like, "Find him." Even his manager took a seat. His manager sat down. He was like, "What the hell?" He had no clue. And he's like, nobody knows how the trick is done. No one knows. They look, they're looking through all of his notes and stuff, trying to see where he could have gone. They can't find anything. He goes back to the stables to try to find any clue. And he finds the locket. And he figures out that it's a puzzle. And he opens it. And it's a picture of Eisenheim as a kid. So the inspector goes back to the barn. Yeah, so he's looking for any clues. He finds... Uh, he finds the locket. Yes. Figures out it's a puzzle, opens it, finds the picture. And then next to it is a, quote, tiny emerald. And I wrote tiny emerald because I'm like, who does not notice that that's missing from something? It would probably cost like $10 million today. It's, it's like eight carats. It's huge. But he's looking at the sword of the prince's sword, and he sees that the ruby and an emerald are missing from the blade of his sword. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to arrest the prince. And it's like, oh, God. And he's stalking down murder hallway with all the antlers, and he's confronting the prince. His murder hallway. Yeah. And the prince is like, oh, you stole imperial property. And he's like, that seems trivial compared to murder. And the prince is, like, freaking out because he's like, I didn't do this. It's all a trick. Don't you see? He's trick- tricking you. It's manipulation. And the inspector's like, oh, I'm really sorry. We have to arrest you. I'm really, really sorry to arrest you. And the prince, he's like, no. He sees the the inspector coming, and he shoots himself in the head. The inspector walks out onto the street after the prince has shot himself, looking clearly kind of frantic and frazzled. And a small child hands him something. And it's one of the kids from the street in the beginning. And he hands him the orange tree notebook. It's a notebook that Eisenheim had in his dressing room Mm -hmm. that the inspector was always intrigued by like how 
the orange tree trick is done. Mm -hmm. And he opens it and he sees the mechanism inside it. And he says, who gave this to you? And the kid says, Eisenheim. And he's like, when? And the kid just runs away. And that's when he realizes the locket is gone because the kid is a street kid and a pickpocket and a very good one at that. So he steals the locket and the guy, the inspector's looking everywhere for the kid or a man. And he sees a man walking away, chases after him. The man is holding the locket. This is, it's very dramatic. The music is swelling. It's Eisenheim. He's in disguise and not a great one at that. (laughs) So true. He rounds the corner and then he's, he like looks at his watch. Like, you don't know what time it is. You're, You're doing all of this stuff. You don't know what time it is. You're going to be late for your train. He's at the train station. All aboard. Eisenheim gets on the train and looks behind him with like a glimmer of victory and almost like he wants to be on that step when the inspector rounds the corner. Mm-hmm. And this is what, this starts what I call the expensive shot. It's the rotating shot that just goes around him a few times. And he's kind of turning and he's just thinking. And this is like the montage. And this is the inspector realizing he's thinking back to all the moments that Eisenheim had with Duchess von Teschen and thinking, oh my God, it really was all a show. It was all a trick. And he's thinking back to the clues that he dropped for him. And what does it mean to die? I just want to be with her. Like, what is what is it to die? Everything was a trick and they were both in on it. And Paul Giamatti, the inspector, starts like slow clapping and laughing while the expensive shot is going. Mm-hmm. And then we just see, so he's like, oh, shit, he got the prince to kill himself. He got away with Duchess von Teschen. He got away with all of this stuff. He didn't really commit any crime. Also staying super famous. Staying super famous and just disappearing off a stage. Yeah. And then we just see his feet walking across a stream. And my first thought was, a dog can't trace that. Second thought was, I would love to have to cross a stream to get to my house. Yeah. And it opens up to this stunning Australian valley. Um, He's walking and then he starts running to a tiny, tiny cabin. And the camera comes around the side of the cabin, cabin to reveal a woman grooming a horse. And she turns and it's her, her hair in this shot. Who was the hairdresser for this? No idea, but brava. Slow clap for that. I want that hair color. I want all of that. I always remember this shot because of her hair. And she's still dressed like royalty. Like she's in like high high class suede equestrian clothing, but she looks amazing. It goes back to the inspector knowing that it was all a, a show. And then it goes back to them and they're hugging and laughing and they're kissing and kind of like acting like children they were when they met. And she kisses him and... The inspector literally takes his hat off to him. It goes back and forth. And then it's a close-up of their hands together with a string coming out of them. And you know that he gave her the locket back. And the vignette is getting big, like smaller and smaller and smaller. Like it's closing in on it. And then the last shot is just her hand opening and it's the locket. Mm-hmm. And it fades to white, which I think is really interesting. And then the like butterflies come out of the white before it fades to black, which is... And I wrote, which I guess could be seen as a trick of cinematography... Thigh slap. We never find out if he was really a magician. So I would love to just read this like two sentence 2006 New York Times movie review, which I think sums up the whole fucking movie. He says, at that point, which is the end, the film pretends to solve the riddles it has posed. (laughs) But does it? (laughs) Or is the ending just a fantasy? Either way, it really doesn't matter much. And I feel like that sums up how I feel about the entire movie. 
How did she go from being a duchess to living in that tiny, tiny cabin? Things we will literally never know because it's twenty, almost 2022 and we're... Edward Norton, you're still hot. Jessica Biel, I want your hair. The end. Yeah.